This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia, recording this on 420. Not celebrating, guys. Uh, right after the Hawks dropped game two in Miami, down 0-2, coming back to Atlanta Friday night here in the State Farm Arena where they get a chance to defend home court. And they've been one of the best home court teams in the NBA in the last two, three months or so. But... I have a lot to say about last night. They performed better. They did play a lot better. Fought a lot harder than they did in game one, which was to be expected. And was the standard, obviously, after that flat performance in game one. But they fall short again. And outside of Jimmy Butler's big night, which you got to tip your cap to Jimmy Butler. He's a gamer. He does whatever he needs to do to win. And... Certainly, Miami is having their eyes set on trying to get back to the NBA Finals this year. And we knew it was going to be a tough series coming into it. But I'm going to speak to the physicality. I'm going to speak to the officiating. And then I'm going to review my tweets that I put out last night after the game. The 10 things, good or bad, that I took from the game. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Um... It's not over. Game three, as obvious as it sounds, game threes and game fives are the most important games in a series. And the Hawks have a very important game on Friday. If they don't win this one on Friday, they have the potential to be swept. They do. But I don't think they're going to be swept. I really do believe that there were some good things that came out of last night, but there are some glaring things that cannot be repeated on Friday night or Sunday night. Sorry, Sunday. I'm not I can't I don't know exactly what time the game is on Sunday, but they just cannot be repeated by the Atlanta Hawks in order for us to extend this series. So Hawks lose last night, 115-105. Seven oh run down the stretch by Jimmy Butler really opened this thing up. Hawks were down by sixteen, went on a huge run to cut the lead to three, and then they fall at the end by 10 points. So late game execution, execution, which continues to be a theme that I put on the show, hurt 
the Hawks again yesterday throughout the game. And the big thing is turnovers. Again, uncharacteristic. The Hawks, as I said this plenty of times in this program, were the best in the NBA as far as turnovers per game. They had the fewest turnovers per game out of any team in the NBA. And they've had an unprecedented amount of turnovers in the first two games of the series. So credit to the Miami Heat defense. Because when you look at the numbers, I mean, Miami shot around their average at from the three-point line, 38.9, but under 40%, so that gave the Hawks a chance. Hawks shot a little bit better from the field. They got scoring from their guys. I mean, Trey Young, even though he was 2 of 10 from three, shot 50% from the floor. He had 25 points, seven assists, six rebounds. John Collins had a double-double, 13 points, 10 rebounds in 29 minutes. That was good to see from him. DeAndre Hunter, even though not uber-efficient, had 16 points, but he was in foul trouble, five fouls. Herter got in foul trouble as well, had nine points, six assists, five rebounds. Bogey had 29 off the bench, 19 of the 29 points coming in the fourth quarter where he was just magical. So Bogey gave them a chance. DeLon Wright had another solid game as well. Okongu, two points, four rebounds, 19 minutes. Certainly not stepping up to the occasion uh, with a Capella being out. And Gallo was just abysmal, two points. Didn't make a basket from the floor, six rebounds there. And on the other side, you already know Jimmy Butler, 45 points, 15 to 25 from the floor, four, seven from three, five assists. Five rebounds for Jimmy Butler, two steals. Just a phenomenal game. Playoff career high for Jimmy Butler. And they had a little bit of help. They had three other players in double digits. Uh, Max Struss, uh, Gabe Vincent, Tyler Hero with 15 points. But Lowry only had nine points, two of eight from the floor, one of six from three. P.J. Tucker had five fouls, not as effective. Bam Adebayo was in foul trouble, especially early in the second half. Only had nine points in 24 minutes. So if you can look at it, turnovers, free throws in favor of Miami, and Jimmy Butler were the big things that beat us. But execution cannot be overlooked. It cannot be overlooked. So then I made a tweet right after the game last night of things that stood out from the game, good or bad. And number one, I've mentioned this already, 19 turnovers from the team that averaged the fewest turnovers per game in the NBA. That When you have 19 turnovers, and Damian Mellon said it post-game, you're not going to win the game. You're not going to win the game when you have 19 turnovers. And out of the 19 turnovers, this was the next thing that stood out. Ten of the turnovers were Trey. So Trey Young had a double-double last night, but it was points and turnovers. That's not good. That, again, speaks to the defensive pressure. Of Miami, the different defensive looks and the physicality. They've been really playing excellent defense in this first round. And we have players that have stepped up, but still no real offensive adjustments to point at and say, you know what, that's something going into game three that we can use. We can use Bokey continuing to be in hot. We can still use Trey Young finally getting into the paint and finishing, which was a positive last night. DeAndre Hunter, 16 points was a positive, but 
Herter, we have to get him going. Gallo, you can't go over from the field. Uh, John Collins was a positive. Uh, we can see what more we can get from John Collins. But it's going to take more, more players stepping up and hopefully coming home to Atlanta, the role players. Sometimes the role players at home just play better because they're at home. It's familiar territory, the crowd, and whatnot. I mean, we saw Duncan Robinson in game one. Really feed off of that. Obviously, he's not the marquee player for the Miami Heat, but a role player nonetheless, and he really stepped up to the occasion. That's what we're hoping when they come to the State Farm Arena on Saturday is that someone steps up, that crowd that is going to be ruckus. I already know it's going to be ruckus in the State Farm Arena. They're going to make their presence felt, and they're going to make their displeasure for Miami, especially with their play, physical play. And the officiating, they're going to let it be known on Friday. So that's going to be a, a big advantage for the Hawks that I'm looking forward to them having being at home on Friday night. The number three thing that stood out to me was Bogey and Trey's games, you know, bouncing back from game one. In game one, they combined for one for 20 from the floor and combined for 14 points. This game, they did not combine for 14 points. As I said, 29 from Bogey and 25 from Trey. So a much better scoring game from both of them. But the 10 turnovers from Trey is still bothersome. This next thing I want to talk a little bit more about. Miami had 15 more free throw attempts than the Atlanta Hawks. And if you've been watching the series, you've seen the hard fouls, the moving screens, the physical play that... Miami just continually gets away with. They have been, I mean, Trey Young's frustrated. Nick McMillan is frustrated. The Hawks players are frustrated by the physical play, which you knew Miami was going to try to assert their wheel on the Hawks as the aggressor, as the one seed, to try to be physical and be the bullies. But the officials have really let this get to a point where I mean, double technicals were assessed in a you know a, a scrimmage between DeAndre Hunter and Kyle Lowry, but it's to the point where, and this is where I always say the Hawks not having an enforcer on the team hurts them. They don't have that Jimmy Butler, that dog, that guy that's going to you know be the villain. I mean, Trey Young will be the villain, but you need someone that's going to physically be imposing. And, you know, and command that respect and, you know, bark at the other team when, you know, it's time to, you know, assert your will and let you know that, hey, you know, you're not going to push us around. And Capella is not necessarily that guy, but we and I skipped to this point. This one of the last thing I put was that we miss Clint Capella because we miss Clint Capella. I mean, he's not our enforcer. Um, I say John Collins is our vocal leader. And Trey Young is our villain, but we don't have that Draymond Green, that Pat Bev, those guys, the Marcus Smarts, the hard-nosed defensive guys that's going to get into your grill, foul you hard, say something, and going to spark something in the team. And the officials have really, like I said, when you look at the foul numbers from last night's game, they're going to look relatively even. But when you look at the free throw attempts, it's not even close. I was talking offline about this. Not all fouls are created equal. 
Some fouls are just possession fouls. You take it out on the side, and you get 14 seconds on the shot clock, and you, you go and use that. But the fact that Miami, who has been overly physical in in our, in both games, were rewarded with 15 more free throws, that's very head-scratching to me. That is a bigger problem, in my opinion. And like I said, Miami was the better team on paper. They don't need help from the referees. The referees are definitely aiding and abetting the Miami Heat right now. Because outside of Jimmy Butler last night, this was a very winnable game for the Atlanta Hawks. It really was. And, I mean, I'm looking at the free throw numbers now from Jimmy Butler. I mean, Jimmy Butler shot 12 free throws. 12 free throws. The player who shot the most free throws for the Hawks was Trey Young with four. And you guys have watched the game. I'm sure Trey Young got fouled way more than to just warn him just getting four free throw attempts. Way more. It just, ah, just, I don't know what to say. And I tweeted, said, hey, we got to play above the officiating. But I know that's hard sometimes. I was an athlete. I played, you know, college football. Sometimes the officiating is hard to overcome. But, you that's when you pull that team together and you say expletive that it's time for us to take matters to our own hand, impose our will, force the issue, and turn the momentum and turn the tide. That's what needs to happen come Friday night when they come to the State Farm Arena. It's time to turn the tide, okay? It's time for the Hawks to be the aggressors, for them to feel good at home, and to... Show everybody, you know, hey, we're down 0-2. But we back in State Farm Arena now. We back at the crib. We play very well at the crib. Very well. So let's bring that smoke. And we kind of we gotta find a way to shoot better from the three-point line. I think being at home will help, but we have to shoot better from the three-point line. In the season series, as I said before, the team who shoots better from the three-point line usually wins the game. Miami is one of the first two shooting better than 38% from the three-point line in both of those games. And if you average it out, they probably are above 40% from the three-point line so far in this series. It's going to have to get better. But the officiating has to get better. And if it doesn't, the Hawks have to play above that and assert their will on Friday night. Back to my list. John Collins playing 29 minutes and getting double-double. That was big. I love seeing that from John Collins. It's good to have him back. He did start out the five last night. I like the move, especially with how Okongu has been playing. And Okongu has to play better. Hopefully, being at home will reset him and help him. But he has not played very well in the first couple of games against Miami. And having John Collins back helps. Again, let's go back to the last thing that, that we missed, Clint Capella. But it's good to have Collins back, double-double, you know, playing 29 minutes up from the minutes from game one. So let's see what his impact will be as the series goes on. Number six, again, obviously 45 from Jimmy Butler. That buried the Hawks last night. Seven, Herder guarding Lowry to start off the game. I like that move personally. Herter is a better defender than people give him credit for. And I know that people would want DeLon Wright probably starting maybe in place of Herter as far as for defensive purposes in this lineup. 
but we do need Herter's offense, and that's why he does start. And with Herter being bigger than Lowry, I do like that matchup. And we saw Lowry did not shoot particularly well last night from the field. So that could be something to point at. And aside from Lowry, and this wasn't on my list, but Bam Adebayo has not played great this series. That has given the Hawks a chance. Now, game one, it was a three-point shooting from the from the Heat. And obviously, Duncan Robinson's scoring outburst and the turnovers that killed us. This game, it was 45 from Jimmy Butler and then the turnovers that killed us. So we need to not let someone on the other team kill us and limit the turnovers. Simple as that. That sounds like SpongeBob. We need to, need to just take Miami and push them over there. I mean, just, just those things will help. Number eight, DeLon's defense. DeLon's defense has been solid. Pretty much all year, but especially down the stretch of the regular season. He needs to get more credit. And last night he had a decent offensive game, nine points off the bench, and then obviously played the defense that he did. That is always going to be needed, especially when you have that coming off the bench. So that was a big takeaway. And then the last takeaway, since I already said the Capella point was just a bad night from Gallo. I expect him to be much better at home. Just much better. I mean, again, the turnovers, Jimmy Butler's outburst, the three-point shooting for Miami. I mean, we're out-rebounding them. We outscored them in the paint. But you're not going to win with 19 turnovers. The team, you're going to have to beat Miami at shooting threes, which means if you're not going to beat them by being more efficient from three, you're going to have to guard the three-point line better. And you're going to have to overcome the officiating and try to get yourself to the free-throw line. I mean, 11-14 from the free-throw line for the Hawks, but 25-29 of 29 for the Miami Heat for good for 86%. Those free-throws were, were killers outside of, you know, Jimmy Butler's points, so... The Hawks are going to have to dig deep. Luckily, they have a, a few days rest. I mean, the next game is not till Friday here in Atlanta. So they're going to have several days off to travel rest, make some more adjustments. I mean, late game execution is going to have to be a point of emphasis, especially with Trey Young. I mean, Trey Young, even though he broke out of the slump, the one-game slump, from game one, scoring-wise, the turnovers are going to have to come down. He's going to have to find ways to, and I mean, this team, this team, this staff is going to have to find ways to get Herter going, get Gallo into his spots. John Collins, get more from him. Okongwu, like, it's going to have to be more than Bogey and Trey Young. And last night, we had Bogey, Trey Young, and kind of DeAndre Hunter who got into foul trouble. But when he got into foul trouble, I mean, there was no one else. There was no one else. We're not having that team effort that we've been having down the stretch. So it's going to have to be the full team is going to have to pull up. It's going to have to pull up on Friday night to the State Farm Arena, 7 p.m. ESPN. Right now, Miami is a one-and-a-half point favorite. I think the... Like I said, I thought the Hawks could win last night's game, and it was a very winnable game until, I mean, we cut it to three. 
cut it to three in the fourth quarter, and then Jimmy Butler went on his 7-0 run, you know, after being down by 16 and Bogey really carrying the team. We had our chances, and we let this one slip. But there are some good things to pull from. Bogey, Trey Young scoring a little bit better. John Collins, DeLon Rice defense. I like the adjustment of Herter. I mean, we shared the ball a little bit better yesterday. But all in all, Friday night's going to come down to role players stepping up into the moment at home, defensive execution and offensive execution and limiting the turnovers. And it's about guarding with a purpose, guarding with intent and limiting everyone to at least their averages or below. We cannot let anyone snap. We can't let, it can't be Gabe Vincent. It can't be Max Struss. We can't, Caleb Martin. We can't let any of the other guys go off. I mean, I doubt Jimmy Butler is going to score 45 again. I doubt that. But Bam is yet to have a big game. We'll see. Lowry hadn't had a big game pretty much all year, in my opinion. But, you know, Lowry may be due for one. We have to be on guard, and that means we have to guard. We have to defend. Defend home court and then execute offensively. Have ball movement. Have, you know, physical movement in the offense, not just the pick and roll. Miami's really shut down the pick and roll. So it's going to have to be ball movement, off ball screens, get people open into their spots. That's going to, that's what's going to have to happen. And if this doesn't happen, we're not going to win this series. And it again speaks to the point that we need to get an offensive minded assistant coach to help out with the offense next year to really take this team to the next level. We are a very efficient offense as far as efficiency rating in the NBA. That is fantastic. But when push comes to shove, when people stop the pick and roll, the Hawks offense can be stagnant and the hero ball happens. We're not going to win with hero ball. We're going to win with ball movement and getting people into their spots and getting them in the rhythm. And we usually do that sometimes good early in the games or we find it that rhythm in the third quarter and finish strong but we need to have a complete four quarter game and we're going to have to come in with a game plan to attack this Miami Heat defense on Friday because like I said at the top of the program game three is huge and if we don't win game three it might be GG's we may be able to get one Sunday in the TNT matchup at home and extend it to five, but game three is the most important game of the series. And the Hawks need to come out and act like it's the most important game of this series. So with that, we'll catch you guys next time. If you love what you heard today, give us five stars, give us a good review, share it and tell everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. Share with fellow Hawks fans, NBA fans, basketball fans, Georgia sports fans. It does not matter. Follow us on Twitter at Ethos Hawks. On Twitter, that is at Ethos Hawks. And then follow myself, Brad Jarrett67. That is Brad J A R R E T T 67. We'll catch you guys after game three on Friday night. You guys have a great rest of your week. Go Hawks. Believe Atlanta. I believe that we can pull this one out on Friday night. But we're going to have to see who is going to step up to the plate. 
and who is going to execute for the Hawks. Who's going to be the next guys after Bogey and Trey? Will it be a big John Collins night? Will it be a Herder night? Will it be Hunter doing better, not fouling, but still having that scoring outburst that he's been having? He's averaging about 15, 16 points in this series. He's been playing better than the season average offensively. But who's who's going to be the guy? Who is going to be the role player that's going to channel the energy of the State Farm Arena with you great fans coming out to support Friday night and relish in the moment and have a Duncan Robinson night? Who's going to have that night? We're going to see you on Friday night on ESPN, and we'll catch you guys then.